if God's going to create the earth, why would he create it void? He didn't create the beast and they were without form and void. There's other beings out there in this universe, right? <laughs> they right. were here before man. Sure. I, well, they existed. Yeah, yeah they existed, man. yeah. About here. Well, <laughs> I don't think you understand That's, what she's saying. I know what she's yeah. saying. I'm the, saying the, the beginning, that week is all called uh, the beginning. Right. In the but, beginning. But, yeah. but, that, but this one stands out because it says it was without form and void. And we're like, oh, well, obviously that has to match what was happening back when hmm. the earth was without form and void. Whenever I approach the Bible, I always approach it literal. It's a literal sense of the word until like it can't be. And in this case, I don't see where well, it can't be. If you have the gap, it doesn't matter how old the earth is. I don't care. If you say the earth is 4 billion years old, fine, the earth is 4 billion years old. I'm Chuck Tate, and here at Fellowship of Believers, we encourage families, strengthen marriages, and edify the body of Christ. I'm Larry Grimm. We also promote biblical doctrine in a fun and engaging way. And I'm Sarah, and if it's Christian, we're talking about it. This is the Mike Charleston Show. All righty. Yes, this will be an exciting episode here. Um, maybe if we had a green screen behind us, we would have uh, the, the octagon oh, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, the boxing ring. Because today <laughs> we're going to fight. We're going to fight. Sarah and Larry are going to get into it. And you're like, what are you guys talking about? Well, we actually, most yeah. of the issues on this show, we agree with pretty pretty closely. Yeah. Well, today's show is going to be it's it's a very um uh, what do you call what kind of subject Divisive? do you call it? Kind Divisive. Of. Yeah, Divisive. it's a very um yeah, that that word it's yeah. not the word I was thinking oh. of, but Sure, it's polarizing. Polarizing. Yes, there you polarizing. go. Polarizing. And uh, so, some of you people have not heard about this issue, and some of you don't care about this issue. But I think it'll be interesting to hear a fight. No, not really a fight. <laughs> so we got this email, um, and Sarah's dressed for it. Uh, she's wearing her Gap shirt. Uh, we got this email a couple weeks ago, and so I thought, well, I really don't want to tackle this because I don't really care about this issue, but. Larry and Sarah were like, let's do this. And so here's the, what does the email say, babe? It says, hello, everyone. I was just wondering what your stance is on the gap fact or theory that Michael Pearl has or where your beliefs would line up in regards to the gap theory. And they were remaining not anonymous. They didn't want to share their name. And trust me, I tried to find out. And uh, no, couldn't find out. Um, so we're going to take this question and divide it up a little bit. So the actual book, we're going to save that for later. Because I, I have some opinions on the book. And I think we all have some opinions on the book. But the book itself, we're going to save that for later. So we're going to talk about the issue, which is the which what the book talks about. And that's the what he calls, Michael Pearl calls, the gap fact. And I, I've, I've been listening to a number of people this week that call it the same thing. They're like, it's not the gap theory, it's the gap fact. And so here on this show, I think we have one person that is totally gap fact. So in this corner, we have Larry Graham. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and, and we have one person I know for sure that is uh, an anti-gapper, as they call That's it. That's me. That, that yeah. would be Sarah. And then Chuck over here is leaning towards... Uh, Sarah side, right? I would lean towards Sarah side. Yeah, yeah, and I'm somewhere in the middle, and I definitely you're, would. You're standing in the gap. I am in the gap. <laughs> yes, I am in the middle. Uh, so that's probably not a good place to be. But so we're going to describe the gap theory. Uh, we're going to say theory uh, on this show. So, so I'm just going to say there's a couple different theories out there on the gap. 
theory. Now, if you're not aware of any of this issue, it can get weird. Let me just tell you that. Yeah. Um, but in Genesis, uh, Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, it's in, uh, in Genesis 1-1 is in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And Genesis 1-2 says, and the earth was without form and vo- uh, void. Uh, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, deep. and the waters... And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Yeah, okay. So what people say, there was a gap of time between verse 1 and verse 2. And that verse 1 was like uh, setting the stage, just saying like God created the heaven and the earth. And then the next thing was destruction. Something happened to cause a destruction, uh, chaos theory or the the reconstruction theory. Um, So there's a number of gap theories. Now, the one gap theory that kind of came along in the 18th century, which is Chalmers. 1800s. 18 Homers. Yeah, 18 Homers. Uh, 18, <laughs> 1800s with Chalmers, Dr. Chalmers. Uh, we're not really going to discuss that gap theory. And that's kind of the more popular gap right. theory that I would I'd probably yeah. say is for today. And that gap theory is mainly a time period where a lot of millions of years are in and it's 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 where evolution can take place right. and different things like that. Now, I don't know if Chalmers actually taught evolution in that period, but a lot of people have taken his idea of that and have inserted millions of years for uh, theistic evolution. Yeah, and so that God used evolution to create man, and that is that happened in that gap. We're not going to talk about that gap. That's, I think that no, that's baloney. Right. I think we all would hey, say that's all, kind of all, nonsense. No, that's not true. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, what is the gap that we're talking about? Now, the book that Michael Pearl wrote, that gap. I will be honest. It was really hard to find other people that believed what Michael Pearl is teaching here. So, but I did find some people, and boy, are they out in left field. They are wackos. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, but what they teach was that in that gap. Okay, so uh, between verse one and verse two, there is a gap of time. It doesn't necessarily have to be a lot of time. Right. It could be a lot of time. They're they're not so caught up on the the time frame. Right. And it's to fit some other verses that we're going to cover here of the rebellion of Satan mm-hmm. or, or Lucifer. And he leads uh, the third of the angels uh, against God, and God judges them, and they're on the earth. And this is where it kind of gets a, a little bit different for some gapists. Like so some people say they were in heaven, they got thrown down to earth as judgment, and then God destroyed the earth with the flood. Some people say they were inhabiting the earth, and um, and then God judged them because they ascended into heaven uh, to be like the most high, and then they got judged. And uh, the flood was what they call Lucifer's flood, and uh, that's why in Genesis 1-2 it says the waters were over the deep. And then the Spirit of God hovered over them. And then it starts our creation. And most of those gap people do believe in a literal 24-day, 24-hour creation, you know, six-day creation that normal creationists would would believe. So, Larry, did I do justice to what? Okay, that gap, that's the gap theory that we're going to be discussing mainly today. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I agree with that. All right. That's good. Okay. Did Chuck, you understand that? Okay. I do. I okay. do. I think it's important for us to actually say, okay, what do we? What are the pieces we agree about first? Right. right. Which I think you kind of laying that out well. I think we have to understand that 
there was a point in time where Lucifer and this whole host of angelic beings were created prior to the creation of man, Adam. <laughs> And they existed in some form. You had the rebellion, you had Lucifer, and a third of the angels that were um, in rebellion and cast out. So that period of time had to happen somewhere. Right. The question is, where did it happen? When did it happen? That's the question. Was, yeah. Right. And that's, you know, that's the... That's mainly what we're going to be talking about, and that's where I'm in the middle, where I could see those verses, some verses that I have never seen uh, until I started studying these issues years ago, and I'm like, okay, they have a good point. They, we have to do something with these Bible verses. You know, what, what are we going to do? We can't just like, eh, it doesn't exist. And, and so, Larry, I'm going to give you the first go at the gap fact, as you would call it, but the gap theory. So, what... What, is there something you want to add to that? Well, um, I mean, I think it, it would, part of it is you say, well, what is the importance of this? Why? Because like earlier in the introduction, you said you, it's not something you really care about. Right. I, I would say it's important because it's part of the Bible. Oh, sure. And, I get that. And there's other, Paul talks about mysteries. Jesus, when the disciples asked, why do you speak in parables? He said, it's for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So there, there are things in the Bible that aren't necessarily clear, but it's for us to know. Sure. And Paul said to study to show thyself approved unto God. So that's what you're doing. Right. That's and right. so there are things, and I think this is important because it gives a glimpse of God's overall plan and his purpose. Okay. And where man fits into that, where the devil fits in, why it was important for him to be in the garden to tempt man. Why did he take Jesus up on a high mountain and say, show him the kingdom of the earth and say, these can be yours? What is the point? <clears throat> there is a point to it. And I think the point is <clears throat> Satan wants what he wants back, what he once had. Right. And so understanding that gives us a glimpse into the why and okay. why these things are important. So. That's fair enough, and uh, so that's his opening statement. Oh no! <laughs> and, uh, so no, that's that's a, that's that's fair. And uh, so Sarah wanted a, an opening statement too, but I don't know if we want to do you want to get into that right now because look, before we get started, well, we're already started, but. <laughs> We, we do want to say this, though. This isn't like a salvation issue. Right. And, Absolutely. And we want to, we're, we're kind of doing this also to show that, hey, we've known each other for years and we've known that we know this issue, um, maybe amongst, I don't know if Chuck knew exactly where we were on this issue. Nope. Right. Okay. <laughs> but I knew exactly where Larry was on this issue. I know where my wife is on this issue. Um, so it's, it's, it's something that hopefully we can show you that we can have a discussion and we can open up the scriptures and we don't have to name call like some people do. Right. And we don't have to ridicule other people's beliefs. We are assuming that we are all studying the scriptures and we're, we might come to different conclusions here. Yeah. And so we want to respect that, you know, and yes, we might throw a couple jabs and just fun, but it's all. <laughs> and good fun here. Um, right, now that you got out the, that out of the way, we can get the boxing gloves That's out. right. Okay. okay. So <laughs> ding, ding, ding. We're ready. Okay. So I don't know if you want to do your statement first, and then we just get into some of those uh, verses. Sure. I'll go ahead. Okay. Sarah's so, got a, she's got a statement. So I, I wrote this out because I... She's going to read, I, so um, let's... I'm uh, just going to read it because I find it hard to remember. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it's just I don't like when people have to read that long, okay. but go ahead. 
First of all, I appreciate the work that many creation scientists have done for the Christian world. Growing up as a Christian, I was very ignorant about many things found in the Bible, especially pertaining to creation. But early on in my marriage, I was introduced to Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis. Not personally. Right. Through his work as well as others, I learned that I could trust what I read in my Bible as truth and fact. I learned that more Bible writers quoted or referred to Genesis than any other book. I learned that all Bible doctrines of theology are based directly or indirectly on the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. I learned that there are numerous proofs through science that validate and prove the things that we read in the scriptures. I learned when you read simple words like day, you can trust what it says and don't need to look for a deeper meaning. And as the years went on, I grew to love to learn more and more about the Bible and all that it has to say. I love the simplicity of it and realizing that God gave his word, not just for priests and scholars and learned men, but he also made it simple enough that people like me can pick it up, read it and learn who God is and what he's done. I have loved teaching it to my children and not being afraid of leading them astray, but reading and believing the simple text as it is written. Then along comes the gap. Oh. <laughs> when I first heard about the gap theory, I was confused. I thought that the Bible was so much clearer and that I had learned to understand it, but I realized that I must've missed a lot. Of course, the Bible is a huge book that we will never fully understand on this side of heaven. But now even simple things are brought into question. I felt like less of a Christian because I can't open up books like Isaiah and Ezekiel and tell you what is happening, where, and why. Now that I have looked deeper into the gap theories, I have realized that whether or not there was a gap at that particular time, I don't really care. I would rather encourage people to read their Bibles, see what it says, believe it, and move on. You will never be able to answer all the questions that critics have. There is no crime in reading your Bible without looking at the Greek or Hebrew words. You are allowed to read the English. Yes, you can find cool things when you dig deeper, but there is no shame in reading the English. As to the particular verses associated with the gap theories, after looking more closely, I am more convinced that there isn't a gap, but I'll wait till we get to each passage to expound further. Yeah, so she's doubling down. She's, she's dropping the gloves now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that is uh, Sarah's statement. And uh, so after this big study, and we have been looking at all kinds of things this week, and she is now totally convinced that there was no gap. Pretty much, yeah. Wow, okay. I mean, I could be wrong, but no, I, I, don't, I don't see it. Don't, don't, so. don't, don't shy away now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so where are we going to start? Are we going to start at the, 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 so we have the, we did the verse one and verse two. You know that the, the, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That was a statement, right? Supposedly. Then, and yeah. then verse one and two, formless and void, something made it that way. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So, what would you say about that verse then, babe, if if you just you just think that that was um, God just created? Because it doesn't seem like God creates in just formless and void. Why would he create in chaos? Well, again, I've always read the Bible just with a simple understanding. So when I look and it says that he created formless and void, it was without form. So I'm thinking of some kind of mass, just like a potter would take a mass of clay and yep. then make it into mm-hmm. something. And void, it didn't have mountains, it didn't have lakes, it didn't have rivers, it didn't have people, it didn't have animals. So it's not got anything yet. And so I just took it as that. Okay. I thought that was okay. That's fair. Well, oh, go ahead. No, I'm assuming Chucky would say probably the same thing. Yeah, if you're if you're going from that perspective, I would have to say the same thing. I don't think it's I don't think we have to have God say it. He's created everything perfect to begin with. Right. He's he he's creating something from nothing. Right. Okay. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. They, they were there. Then he goes on day by day and evening and the morning to refine that creation by adding these other things okay. that were made. So yeah, I'm fine with the idea that it was created in such a way that it was void and needed to be 
further refined. Right. So, Larry, uh, Genesis 1-2, this is the big one. This is where a lot of people get into the Hebrew, where was, was, become, and I honestly don't think you need a become there. It, no, it's I fine don't. with was, right. but whatever. Um, what would you say about the, the chapter, verse 2 right there? Well, I would say there is, like you said, if God's going to create the earth, why would he create it void and without form? It seems like he would... Um, Create, create it, finished. Mm-hmm. In other words, like you read the rest of Genesis, there was nothing like he didn't create the beast and they were for, without form and void. He, he created a dog. It right. Was there. He created right. a cow. It was a cow. It was not without form or void. It was a cow. It was... Are you, <coughs> you going to interrupt? Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Are you saying that, um, so you, you would think he would create it finished. I thought creating the whole entire earth with all the animals, plants, and everything in six days was pretty impressive, but you wanted it all on day one. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, but I'm saying is, why, like, if you read other scriptures, there's one, Psalms 104, it seems to indicate that there was something here first, and then it was flooded, and then God set boundaries on the water, after they were already flooded, he receded it. And it's not talking about Noah. It's actually before Noah. So how did that happen? Where did that come from? So that's. So there are other scriptures that indicate, you. if you look at it, you're like, some things don't seem, there doesn't seem to be an answer unless there's a period of time between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. And part of the problem is, and this is where the young earth, they have a problem because they're so set on the history of man being tied with in the beginning. In the beginning is just setting the time clock. That's when time started. Oh, is that when time started? I was going to ask that question later, but okay. Right. That's the indication because it's in the beginning. Well, that was, when was that? Well, that was the beginning. Well, the history of man goes back 6,000 years, but what if the beginning goes back further? Right, but you're not talking about the beginning of God. No, I'm talking about the beginning of the the world. Okay. Okay, so really, at the heart of this, what we have is the... As we're looking at the scriptures here, and, you know, there there doesn't have to be a gap if there's no rebellion. Right. Right, okay. So that's really a good place to start then is the Bible is about our creation, about... we, We admit that there was probably... Angels, there's cherubs, there's other beings out there in this universe, right? Mm-hmm. When they were created, we don't know. We know the the the, the, the verse in, in Job that talks about how when the earth was created, the angels rejoiced. Yeah, they right. were here before man. Sure, well, uh, they existed. Yeah, yeah before they man. existed. Yeah, about here. Well, fair point, but... Well, real quick, you said from the beginning, and I know you want to get to what you want to get to, but um, it seemed like um, Jesus didn't seem to indicate that there was a gap. He says in Mark 10, 6, but from the beginning, which maybe the beginning isn't the beginning, I don't know, but it says from the beginning, God made them male and female. Well, that was day six, so that's right there. So I don't know, like you want to put a beginning and then time, and then there's another beginning when you make them male and female. uh, That wouldn't be the beginning. If on your logic, because the beginning would be day one. So God didn't create mankind on day one; He created on day six. So that wouldn't have been the beginning. Yeah, because I see creation as this six-day period. This is the beginning when He created everything, and even there's other verses that talk about. Well, and and if you say the beginning of the history of man, then that would be that week. 
But if there's... But in the beginning, he didn't make them male and female. That was well, the actually, second I mean, beginning. again, like he didn't... You would uh, have Sarah's to got him on the ropes already. Well, no, I would say <laughs> technically asking. speaking, the beginning would be day one, right? Well, when it talks about there's... It, so when is the beginning? Is it day one or is it day six? The beginning is creation when we have the six-day period when he made everything. Well, She's saying actually, a week. Actually, the beginning was before day one. Right. Either way you look at it. Well, yeah, exactly. The first beginning. The beginning. I mean, day one. So what did he create on day one? That's that's up for debate. Oh, okay. <laughs> because some people would say he created the earth and he said, let there be light. And that was day one. But okay. some people say he created the earth and then time. And then, so. Right. And in our creation, I think, but I think everybody on day one would agree that light was created. Yes. For yeah. sure. Yep. Whether yeah. the earth or yeah. whatever right. came before or whatever, but light was in the beginning, God created, on day one, it was light, right? Right. They yeah. created light. Well, actually, I mean, if you wanted the heaven and the earth would have been, if you're a young earth, oh, you'd say, have to you say, don't believe that. you'd mm-hmm. have to say the earth was created and then light. Right. Well, that's what she's saying. Heaven. She would say the earth was, and so was um, the, the light, and so was the heavens and the earth. You know, all that was created on day one. That's what she would say. Right. Yeah, right, right. But that wouldn't be, that, so then man would come day six, which would not be the beginning. I don't think you understand That's, what she's saying. I know what she's saying. I'm saying the, the beginning, that week is all called uh, the beginning. Right. In the but, beginning. but yeah. But that, in a technical sense, then that would be day one I would actually be the, Yeah. I okay. see what you're saying. All right. Well, let's move so. to some of these verses that, uh, you know, according to, so we're, we're talking about the fall of Lucifer, so we have to go to the fall of Lucifer, right? Well, yeah, that's a good point. And I was, where's that verse? It's Isaiah uh, 14, 14, 24, one. No, I no, think it's 14. Was it in? Yeah. There? 14, 14, 14. Well, you got your notes there. I got, I got these it's, notes, it's, but it's not in here. Right. But it is obviously a 14. Yeah. Where's Isaiah? Do, 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 I can't find it in my, oh, Isaiah fourteen twelve. How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son right. of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which did, didst weaken the nations? Yeah, but keep going because it's... Oh, that's all I had. <laughs> oh. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. So Satan never wanted to overthrow God. He wanted to be on equal plane with God. And I think this is my theory, and I can't, you know, this take it for what it's worth. It's going to be worth a lot one day, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is my, this is what I think happened in the gap. Before mankind was created, obviously the angels were here. You read Job. And I think they were here physically on the earth, especially if you read Ezekiel 28. Mm -hmm. It seems to indicate that Satan was here. There was something going on on the earth. Because it says you were in the garden of God. Where's the garden of God? That's a good question, but carry on. Right. Keep going. So, and I think if you read that whole chapter, it seems like some activity was going on on the earth. It talks about his the much trafficking. What is that? Doing business. Right. Right. So, there was something here, and I think Satan realized he was the ruler. And it says, and then Ezekiel 28, it says twice that it says that thou was the anointed cherub. Right. So he wasn't a man. He wasn't, he was some kind of, he was the cherub. Yeah, we were going to just read right. that. Uh, Ezekiel 28, 13 through 15. Yeah. 
Do you want me to read that? Sure, why not? Okay, it says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. So that's talking about Lucifer, obviously, right? Right. And, and he was perfect until iniquity was found in him, which, um, and it talks about the, the Eden, the garden of God. Now, this is the problem I have with the gap. So I tend to believe that maybe there could be a time period and, and the angels were living here on the earth and there was a rebellion and they were judged. I have no problem with that if that's the argument, but it, there is a lot of stretching. And so just because they say, well, where is the garden of God? Where, where it was Eden? Well, that's a big assumption. Uh, you know, where, where, where was the garden? Could this have been somewhere else? Does it have to be on earth? Was the garden of God always on earth? Was it always here? Well, it's, we know where the garden of Eden was because well, God tells us in Genesis. But it was near the that, Euphrates and the But even in tigers. Michael Pearl's book, he says, this is not the garden of Eden. Right. Well, so it's east sure. of Eden. Right. Okay. And, right. and, and the that's garden the, where Adam and Eve were was so just east because of Eden. names are so like when England was England and then they came over to America, they transported names. So now we have New York, we have New Orleans for those Frenchies, and then we have you know we have Hampshire, New Hampshire, and uh, we have we even have uh, Birmingham. There's a Birmingham, England. There's a Birmingham, Alabama. You know, so they take the names. Uh, does so names don't always. You know, mean that it's exactly the same place. Uh, does it, could it have happened somewhere else? I don't know. So you know, Gapist will definitely read this and say it has to be uh, in the Garden of God, which was right there by Eden, and, and they can pick out the countries where that was. And that's fine. Now, and besides the fact that it's all pre-flood, when when the flood happened, a lot of things changed. The waters of the deep were open, and a lot of things probably moved around. Right. And, and when you things say like the that. flood, you're talking about Noah's flood. I am talking about Noah's okay. flood. That's true. That's okay. a good point. Um, okay. So <laughs> got to clarify those. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So we we got that. So Ezekiel 28. There does seem to be like uh, he was created perfect, and so like someone said, well, why did God create the devil? He didn't. He didn't create the devil. Yeah. He created Lucifer. No. And then Lucifer uh, became proud and right. iniquity was found in his heart. Well, like I was saying, so Satan was here. You read it, the next verse in Ezekiel was, By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Jesus said, you were like your father, the devil, who was a murderer from right. the beginning. Who did Satan murder? That's a good question. That's what, that's the question I would have. Yeah, yeah. that was my question. And too. because so if From you the read this verse, so which it, beginning are we talking yeah, about? And it says here, <laughs> they have filled in the midst of thee with violence. Right. Violence and murder kind of go hand in hand. So, so what? I mean, like, what? Are, what are you saying? Well, I think Satan. So my picture: Satan was here on Earth ruling. Mm -hmm. There was some activity. There were some creatures here that he was ruling over. That was his part of his position. And he murdered someone? Possibly. Something. And he realized, hey, I can be the king of my own universe. Sort of like the Mormon doctrine. You be the king of your own planet, the god of your own planet. Larry I said mean, that. Larry said the Mormon doctrine. I, <laughs> I was going to say, well, I mean, it kind of would go along with well, Yeah, and so more. that's what he said. He goes, I'm going to be like the most high. Right. 
I'm not going to conquer God. He knew he couldn't, but he thought, well, maybe I, I could be equal with I him. I could be equal. Right. And that's one of the reasons when he took Jesus up on a high mountain, I think that was, hey, recognize me as the dignitary of this earth, and you, I'll let you rule this. Right. You don't have to go through the suffering. You can be the ruler of this. But when you read the book of Revelation, chapter 5, Jesus gained the right, the, the, the deed to the earth by living a sinless life and conquering death, like Adam was supposed to do way back in the garden, but failed. But Jesus did, and he won it back. So won the deed. He won the deed, yeah. Well, where, where was that in the Bible? Like, what, where scripture does it have the deed? It doesn't necessarily say the oh, deed, okay. but I, when, uh, like that's the scroll. That's what most people think. Like when the uh, when he opened up the scroll in Revelation, in Revelation chapter five, mm-hmm. he, and when uh-huh. John says, you know, who is worthy, and he wept because nobody, nobody in the heaven, was nobody on earth, nobody under the earth, right. yeah. was ever found worthy right, except for the lamb. Really but anyway, slow here, yeah, but okay. Well, oh, wait, we can't move on to the next verse. No, cause, okay. Cause <laughs> I'm just not so sure here. when you read this passage in Ezekiel. I mean, I see that it says Eden, and that does makes me think of the Garden of Eden or somewhere over Naturally. there. Right. But it also is a very similar description to the holy city in heaven in Revelation 21, where it says, um, the building of the wall of it was as jasper. The city was pure gold, like under clear glass, and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Jasper, sapphire, um, emerald, sar- sardonyx, sardius, chrysolite, beryl, Topaz, I mean, like it mentions right. almost all the same ones that are there. So I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know, don't know that it's so clear. But even if we would say that it was there, I'm like, why does that put it there on the timeline? Well, in this like, in Revelation, where does the city come down to? Earth. Not now. Earth. Yeah, later. Well, yeah, but, but so, so it's coming down from above to Earth. Why, why is the earth so important? That's the thing. Oh, so you're saying it was here, then it went up, then it's coming back down? Is that what you're saying? Possibly. Or no, I don't I don't think it was here before, but I I think Satan had a realm here. Okay, but I guess then, my question is like why why does it have to go on the timeline right there? Like why is that the only place? Because it doesn't have a timeline. It says that has been. I have Eden. read somewhere that people believe that the fall of Satan happened between Genesis one eighteen and Genesis three. I don't necessarily agree with that, right, but no. that is a, an idea out there that it happened sometime after creation. Is that even a possibility? I don't know. Well, and part of it, and this is the way I think of it, is and I, when, we don't, like in um, European history, the kings and the court, if you were part of the king's court, when the king was, the court was in session, you, it was your duty to be there at the king's court, at wherever the king was whether it's his palace or somewhere else. Sure. Outside of that, you had other duties. You were of no- nobility. You ruled a manor, perhaps, or you had some kind of governing responsibility. Just like Joseph, when he was exalted in Egypt, the only one above him was Pharaoh, right? If you remember the story. Mm-hmm. he So, just like Satan, Satan was given realm or rulership over the earth, and whatever creatures or beings that were on here, we, we don't. So don't have Bible that says that we this don't. Is part of the theory, but that's part of it. But it seems to make sense as to why. Why does Satan care if man's here? What is the point? Jealous? I don't know. Jealous over what? Because he created something else. Well, if because you think of, mankind well, if you think is of it the other here. way. You know, why did God create 
anything to begin with? Why did he create oh, Lucifer? Yeah. Why did he create the cherubs? Why did he create the... I think in every instance, God created it because he wanted a fellowship. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when, he wanted to, when yeah. Lucifer rebelled, and that fellowship was broken, then it was as if God says, well, I'm going to do it again with man. Right, right. Well, that brings up a good point. We were talking about this the other day, and this is going to sound blasphemous, but please hear me out before oh, boy. <laughs> you can email Larry at... <laughs> It seems like, from a worldly perspective, if I was going to argue from a worldly perspective, I would say, well, it seems like God has failed because he created Satan and, and Satan fail, fell. He created man, man fell. He raised up Abraham, the nation of Israel, and they rebelled. It's just the one continual. But I think, going back to what you said, Chuck, the purpose, if you look at the purpose of what God wanted, is he wants fellowship and he wants beings that want to be with him. By their own choice. And this is why Calvinism is such a bad doctrine, because it makes, it forces man into being in fellowship with God against his will. Hmm. God doesn't want that. God wants, it's just like a a husband and wife relationship. A good, strong marriage is two people that want to be together. Right. And that love each other. And so God shows the whole plan of salvation. That's the picture of it is God did something to redeem man for those who want it. It's there available if you want it. If you don't, that's your choice. All right. Okay. We got to move anyway, on to a couple yeah, of these sorry. other verses. We are. <laughs> okay. Jeremiah 4, 23 through 26. This is another great one. Oh, yeah. It says, I beheld the earth and lo, it was without form and void. And See, the there, heavens, it says it right there. I know. Ah, there we go. And yeah. the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains and lo, they trembled and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld and lo, there was no man and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I beheld and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness and all the city thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. So you see, there was obviously cities somewhere, and this is obviously speaking at some point, and people are going to connect it here without form and void is talking about Genesis 1-2. And this is what what, what Jeremiah was seeing in that, that vision or that prophecy. And uh, so anyway, there was obviously cities that were broken down. The fruitful places were, were broken down. Everything was broken down. That is what is without form and void. So... What would you have to say to that, babe? Or uh, Chuck? Or <laughs> either or? Um, well, I... You're trying to get your notes real quick? Well, <laughs> I have my notes, but I didn't write down the rest of the chapter. Oh, but, it goes on. But the thing is, um, we should know that when we're trying to make Bible doctrine, you need to have context. Oh, context. Uh, yes. And so context, if you context. continue to read, it says that... Um, let me see, because I don't want to read the whole thing. Um the whole, if you go on to verse 29, and there's verses in between that I could read, but for there's the sake of time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It says, The whole city shall flee for the noise of the horsemen and bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up on, upon the rocks. Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man dwell therein. Um, from everything I can see, this is talking about... Um, the destruction of the uh, of somewhere in Israel of uh, the Holy Land, and we're talking about people, and they're climbing on rocks, and I think there are people way back before Adam. Well, so, how did the angels appear? I don't know. So you, there were men. people. Is that what you're saying? Well, like, the angels always appear as men. I just so. I don't know. This seems like destruction of somewhere in Israel. And I don't know why it would be anything else oh, that's other terrible. than that. I kept, read, I kept reading the next verse, and the lovers will despise thee. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Well, as we know of prophecy, there's always 
twofold, sometimes threefold aspects to prophecy. Sure. Yeah. And so this Jeremiah is a book about the coming judgment on Israel when the Babylonians come in and they just wipe it out and they that's it. They carry them off. But then we also know there's other passages that one of refer to the second coming of Christ that hasn't happened yet. So it happened then and it will happen again. There's so there's that dual full, dual meaning. I mean, I think the only reason this one stands out, because I could have we could have gone and picked any passage from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel about the coming judgment and right, what, yeah. what the land's gonna be desolate, and there's just a ton of them. But this one stands out because it says it was without form and void, and we're like, oh well, obviously that has to match what was happening back when hmm. the earth was without form and void. And so we just say, well, that that's there. So obviously that's what it means. It's and, going and, back to and that. And we're not saying that it can't mean that, but the the book that we're going to refer to in just a second yeah. here, they say it, it's fact. It's, it, there's no doubt. It has to be that event. Right. And, and that's where I have a problem where I'm like, you might have a point, but I don't know if I can go that far. I don't think it's as clear cut as some might say. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I, you got my attention still, but I'm not fully persuaded that 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 that's 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 so clear cut. You know what I'm saying? And that, and it goes on to talk about survivors and how could there be survivors? I mean, when he supposedly when there was a well, <laughs> Lucifer's floods. There were survivors? Well, well, if you watch the movie Noah, um, there was a couple survivors on there. And no, there's a, there's a lot of people. <laughs> but the, well, the Schofield Reference Bible has a footnote to this uh, verse, and it says, one. it describes the condition of the earth as a result of judgment, which overthrew the primal order of Genesis 1-1. So, I mean, if you mm-hmm. read that, then you're like, oh, well, that's what it goes to. But I'm like, I don't... Well, yeah, Schofield actually was a believer in the gap theory. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if you want to go with that. Well, um, one other thing. Oh, so, okay. this is a kind of a question to think about okay. with the gap. Is there a period of time in the Bible that's sort of in a mystery form? I would say the millennium um, is. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. So, if there's one, I could think of the church age, uh, the oh, time okay. of the Gentiles. I, that's I a, sure. It's a kind of a gap in the overall time frame of God's time frame. I mean, because when Jesus came... He could have fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament at the same time and ushered in the millennial kingdom, but he didn't because Israel rejected him sure. ultimately. But so there's a whole lot of scripture in the New Testament about the church age. Like, well, we're, right, we're but no doubt. in the Old Testament, there's not. No, I get and that. that and, and the fact that the Messiah, they missed it, was the fact that they didn't see him coming as a suffering servant. Mm, they, they missed that. They did. So, if that was a gap that they missed, could this be a gap that we missed? It could. I mean, yeah, I, I, so. it, it could. And and that's what we're trying to figure out here. And uh, we'll go to Isaiah 24, 1. Okay, it says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. So oh, yeah. that what do you seems think? like, whoa. What do you think pretty, there? Pretty clear, but again, okay. we have to read on, and it says, read And on. it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with... Okay, and it goes on, verse 3, The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish and people 
Keep going. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Apparently there was an everlasting covenant back before he even made anything. I, easy, I don't know. Easy. There, um, so, and it? then who, it says, Therefore, who did he make the everlasting covenant wait, with? Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned. A few men left. Mm. So there was an everlasting covenant. There were people left. And then we're going to go and start creating more people. Or well, the other thing to consider is, <laughs> I don't know. Did, is yeah. God going to destroy the earth in the future? Yes. Yes. Did yeah. he do it before? Yeah. Well, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Well, we know Noah's flood. He destroyed much. people. I don't know if he destroyed the earth, but he destroyed the people. Well, it talks it. about him. They refer to the Noah's flood as God destroying the earth. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so if he did it before... And he's going to do it again. Could he have done it previous? Of course he could have. So, yeah. so. so here's my take. Okay, here's my, my, my whole piece of this is, is it possible that the gap theory could be true? Yeah. I have to answer the question, yes. Sure. Is it necessary to have the gap theory to believe that the rest of the Bible is true? No, I, I would agree okay. that that's not necessary. So that's, where, but, so that's why I said when I lean the other way, because I'm I, whenever I ever approach the Bible, I always approach it literal with the, it's a literal sense of the word until like it can't be. Right. And in this case, I don't see where it well, can't be. Right. Here's one of the problems with the young earth is they're so stuck on the earth being 6,000 years old. And if you're going to disagree with somebody like an atheist who studies science, they're going to bring up like the red shift and the stars and the distance and the galaxy and stuff. And the best answer that a young earth has is that a verse where it says, God spread out the heavens. Okay, well, that's fine. But if you're so stuck on the earth being a certain age, you're going to run into some trouble because you're going to come across as being just dismissive and saying, well, that's, you know, you can kind of make an excuse. If you have the gap, it doesn't matter how old the earth is. I don't care. I, if you say as an evolutionist, say the earth is 4 billion years old, fine. The earth is 4 billion years old. So you're doing this just for evangelism. You well, are. I well, mean, that's but here's the problem with that is that, okay, I see your point. Right. But... The um, the the student or whatever is still going to ask you. So you don't believe in a, a literal twenty four hour uh, creation, six day creation? Yes, I do. And they're going to say you're crazy because you don't believe in evolution. Well, either way, but, but well, I mean, reality is you believe in an original creation that was perfect at the beginning, and then a six twenty four hour period recreation. Right, right, yeah. right. And so they're going to be like, "What's the difference?" So what? So you so you agree with us on the age of the earth, but you still don't believe in evolution. You don't believe in none of that stuff, and they're going to still dismiss you. Well, I can then we can debate evolution and the the, the ridiculousness of it. I mean, that's so. But I, I think you could do that with. Well, creation. you could, but I mean, I don't really care about the age of the earth, and what does that matter? What does it matter if the earth is? Four billion years old or six thousand years old? Does it really matter? It doesn't matter to me, and it probably doesn't matter to Chuck. Uh, Maybe doesn't matter to Sarah, but it's it's it does matter to some people, and and I think they make good points uh, that they're 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 taking it. So what they're saying is, and I think I can speak for Sarah here, and and some of the other creation, young Earth creationists, is that they are taking it literally from. Genesis 1-1, where it says God created the heaven and the earth, and they're assuming that's day one. Now, obviously, you guys would disagree in that camp and say, well, okay, that's a simplistic view. 
you have these other verses that kind of shed light on this passage, which is fair. You know, it's right. it's it's totally fair to challenge it. But just on a simple reading, I don't know if you would really come up with a gap if you if you're just reading, you would say, Well, God created this world in six days. Actually there would because like in the second century when the Torah was tr- translated into Aramaic, right? They translated it as laid, the earth was laid waste. Right. I, that's fair. Which means, obviously, it wasn't at one point, and it was laid waste, which means it was... It, sounds, it, beca- it, it became, became, yeah, you know, whatever. Okay, but, so... Okay, go ahead. Because we, we are, I guess we're going to... There, there's another issue about the word made and created. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, in Genesis chapter 1... It's referred to, there's two times it's referred to as created. Right. He created the giant sea creatures, I think, or I don't remember how it's worded. So, the word create and made are different because create means to use, to bring about out of nothing. Sure. Like the, the Latin ex nihilo or whatever. Right. Ex nihilo. Made is you're using existing materials to make something. Like, right. you make make furniture. You cut down a tree, you mill the wood, and then you shape it into... But I didn't create the wood. But you didn't create the tree. Even God, though, in English, sometimes I would say, look what I created. Right. Okay, just saying. But in the technical sense of what the word means, it means to bring about out of nothing. That's fair. So, no, and, and there's so a passage, is, there's, yeah. there's many passages and, that the book covers on that create So I got made, a question for Sarah. Made. Yeah. When God told Adam and Eve to replenish the earth, mm-hmm. why? Why would he say that? Because he wanted them to have children and to But the word replenish means that it was plenished before. Okay, but the if you actually I, look up the old definition, even at 1828 dictionary. Which Larry likes dictionary, to do. I do. Yeah, I know. I thought about you. I'm yeah. like, surely you looked up the word replenish. I didn't actually. I forgot. Well, in the 1828 at that dictionary. Time it was created during the translation. At that period of time, it actually mean to fill. Right. Well, but you look at the context. So when he, there's two times in the Bible he said that to somebody. That was Adam and Eve and Noah and Noah. And why did he say that to Noah and his sons? Well, once again, that that word way back in 1600. When I don't know what the modern versions translate that word as anymore, but it does mean to fill. Yeah. Right. It just means to fill. So to replenish the earth in both ways, it still works either way. So if you're saying that it was plenished and it needs to be replenished, okay. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, that's, that's fair. And if but, you say refill. But not refill. It just so, means to fill. The word replenish just meant to fill. Yeah, it didn't mean not refill. refill. Just fill. To fill. Right. Yeah. Just to fill up. And so if, if that's what it is also is like just, Hey, Noah, fill the earth again. Uh, uh, well, you use the word again. <laughs> Don't Noah. say again, I just Noah. say fill. Well, I said Noah. Yeah. Because oh, he, okay. He, Noah did fill it again. Right. He had to, because there was a... So uh, Adam and Eve should fill it again. Just fill it. Right. You know, but I'm not, you know, just it's just the word right there. But and, okay. So we we wanted to get into... Oh, yeah, uh, are we going to get into the book? Here we go. Oh, we should. So... Because uh, the original question was about the book, and I felt, felt like we needed to talk about the to- topic. And just by the way, if you should probably already know this if you're watching on YouTube and 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 listening on the yeah, on a podcast, you could see that this is going to be a little bit longer of an episode. Yeah. So because of that, we are brought to by our our gear here. Look at this. We got uh, our yeah. Mike Charleston show mugs here and a pen here and my it's shirts swag, down there. Man. I, I don't know if I can show the shirt. 
I got Sarah a, a, a hooded sweatshirt for her birthday, but it, it's still in Japan. But the T-shirt came in, <laughs> and it's black. And uh, uh, let me see here. Oh, there I, we go. That is cool. I like the black shirt. That I, I kind of like it too. Uh, I do too. So, yeah. I like the black shirt. So anyway, that's just hey, you a got little it from Japan, huh? Well, not these. Uh, I got it from Vistaprint, but the sweatshirt ended up <laughs> from Japan. But anyways. Uh, so that's a quick commercial. Uh, back to the to the thing. Um, so, so how did we get them, man? Yeah, you didn't how say you how to get them. You just said you got them. Oh, well, we we're not selling them because these are what we have. That what I showed you is what we got. So, so if you want maybe to one day we can share a cup of coffee. <laughs> if if there's a demand for it, let us know. And be like, dude, I want one of those. I'll be like, I want one. Okay, that, that's that's a good. That's number one. Okay. So, all right. So, going back to, we, we had a few verses here. So, what do you guys think, Larry, first? I oh, know we're going to go to the, uh, the book, right? Well, I was going to ask quotes. about the, the devil dying. But the devil you dying? Want, what, do you want to go to the book? Oh, yeah. I meant yeah. to ask you about that. The devil dying? Yeah. Well, I, I don't believe the devil died. No, I don't either. Okay. Well, in the book, it talks about the devil dying. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Well, it's right here. I'll quote, it's quoted it says, right here. Kids in Sunday school knew that Lucifer's sin predated Eve's in that he was in the garden tempting Eve shortly after creation. Due to his disembodied state, it was necessary for him to commandeer the body of a beast of the field in order to manifest a physical presence and speak to Eve. Satan had lost his original physical body in death following his sin. And then he gives several verses. He well, that's that. different than he died. Well, he lost his body in death. I don't know. He lost same? his physical body in death. Right. <laughs> And so I looked up all the verses that he And here's put the with problem I have. Like, mm-hmm. So the Gapist, and, and this is the date, this isn't just Michael Pearl, this is just anybody that puts an article together and then puts Bible verses. Check out the Bible verses. So, you know, it's like a tag at the end to say, justify everything you just said. So if you're like, okay, well, here's what he's talking about that kids in Sunday school and, and that Eve, uh, uh, that, that his sin predated Eve, which I, I don't necessarily doubt. I think Satan, Lucifer's sin was the first sin. Yeah. And and uh, so anyway, he became a disembodied spirit. Okay, now we're we're stretching things. So he gives Psalm eighty two six through seven. It says, "I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes." Okay, now in the context of that, you, you are gods. Who's he talking to? He's talking to angels. Yeah, right. So is Lucifer one of the angels? Angels no. are different from cherubs. Yeah, right. So you know, so you shall die like men. Well, men weren't in existence yet back then, supposedly. So how? What's the context of them understanding what men are going to die like? But anyways, it's in the future too. So. Well, I, I, I think that has a different meaning. I I didn't. I forgot this was in the book that he right. said that Satan didn't die, and I don't think he was disembodied. I, well, I think he became the serpent. Oh, but, he became the serpent. Right. So he was the serpent. Is that? Well, right. So now the serpent, the devil, somewhere in the ground, somewhere. No, not. not we think of serpent as a snake that slithers on the ground. Yeah. But historically, but you go back to ancient times, a serpent referred to a dragon. So he's he's a dragon right. on the earth right now? Yeah. Somewhere? Somewhere. Hiding? Well, even in Revelation, the, the church of Pergamos, it right. says, I know where that, that thou art. Satan's seat. Satan's seat. Right. He's here. He's somewhere. Okay. Okay. Well, he's, I, he tempted Jesus. So... Okay, then Ezekiel 14, 12 through 7. This one's a little bit longer. Yeah, that's long, maybe. Yeah. And I don't look understand it up. any of this. Uh, I don't you, understand where he can, why he used this 
verse. Okay, so the, you have you can just read it on your own time. But Ezekiel fourteen twelve through seventeen doesn't seem to have anything to do with uh, what we're talking about. No. And then Isaiah twenty eight seventeen says that judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet and the the plummet and the plumbling and the the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies and the water shall overfly the hiding place. I don't know. Unless there's some other verses around it that right. he was, but I, that doesn't make sense. So uh, it's, it's kind of shoddy work. Yeah, and, it is. And That's... it's random Bible verses that this is what I'm afraid that some of the, 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 the gap theory is it will take some something and then and create a whole story out of it. And and I'm like, it, it may be true. It may be. Well, right. But in, in some circumstances, you're like, well, but that is, that's a big stretch. Well, it would be better for him. This is what I do. I always say, this is my opinion. This is what I yeah. surmise yep. may have be, but it's not Bible. I can't prove it from the Bible. I can make some assumptions based upon what I interpret certain well, verses. Well, that's fair. That's yeah. that's Larry saying that, and right. I can appreciate that's, that. Yeah. But Michael Pearl, the book that we're talking about, and actually there's other books that we were looking at, are very much this is what happened, and they prove it by these these verses. Um, let's see. we got to move on real quick here. Um, he didn't... Okay, so... I feel like, okay, so here, here's my thing on the book, and we're going to have some quotes here. Here's the problem I have with the book. It's not necessarily the subject matter. Right. Okay. I, I wasn't really, I didn't know about the subject matter too much until I read the pamphlet and then later the book. And and he makes some good points. I'll be honest. I'm like, yeah. okay, here's a good point. I don't know what to do with that Bible verse, but... You put it together, and could there have been something that went on between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2? Sure, maybe, maybe. I'm not quite convinced, but I'm like, it's it's definitely, I could see how something could, and it fits a bigger picture. Could it have happened somewhere else? I think so. Um, you know. But here's my problem with the book itself. I believe it was a polemic on creation science, and, and he just had... Michael Pearl himself had like uh, axe to grind in some way, and he just let it rip. And I'm going to read some of these quotes, and you tell me the spirit in which this was written. And this is really where I have the problem, because the attitude is that people like Sarah and Chuck, and, and you know that people who read the Bible and just believe in six day little creation, young Earth, that they're actually sending people to hell. And I feel like that is ridiculous. And and you're going to read some of these quotes. Um, this is page. This is from page one thirty three. We didn't go in order, uh, but uh, why don't you read it, babe? You're a better reader than me. <laughs> Those gospel evangelists are forced to confront the public who deem creation scientists and their disciples as equal to the flat Earth crowd. What these college students see as anti science has rendered the Bible unfathomable. I will win ten biology students to faith in Christ with a gap fact, sin fact, and Jesus fact, while the creation scientist is debating an ignorant biology professor with nothing to show for it but another video of their debate destined to be viewed by the choir. I have a real problem with this. So first, uh, fine, go do it. You know, this is so arrogant. This is one of the most arrogant statements in the whole book. I can win. It almost sounds like Lucifer. I can win 10 people to the Lord while you're wasting your time talking about this. 
I have a real problem with that. That it's it's the the problem that people aren't coming to Christ is because whether they believe in millions of years right. or whether they believe in a young Earth or an old Earth, that's not what's not bringing them to Christ. Mm-hmm. What's not bringing them to Christ is because they love their sin yeah. and they love their darkness and they're sinners and they they don't want anything to do with God and they will do anything they can to keep God at a distance. Whether that's creation creating uh, evolution, whether that's creating Big Bang theory, uh, whatever it is, and uh, the creation scientists go in and and make their arguments, and sure, they get caught up in a, a creation battle right. that may be nonsense at times, you know, I get it, but to say that I can go in there with my gap fact and then sin fact and Jesus fact is disingenuous. I don't know when the last time Michael Pearl's been on a college campus, but I talk to people who go to college campuses as a ministry and do it daily, and they say that is a non-issue. They don't care. They they care about you know if if like I said earlier, if you went there, they're going to say, well, you're still an evolu- you're not an evolutionist. Right. You're, you're so they dismiss you as a flat earther, anyways. Right. So that that just null and void right there, uh, without form and void. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just okay. flooded with that. That's well, right. I, I just to be fair, you know, play devil's advocate. I think his response to this, and I don't know, and I don't mean to put words in his mouth. I think this is maybe a response to Ken Ham's first debate with uh, Bill Nye, who it was not be. a scientist. It, it was, and that, but that was a bad debate, and Ken Ham should have. Now, this is not what, what we're talking about right now has nothing right. to do with the gap theory itself. Yeah. This is the book itself. Yeah. And this is where I have. So here's the next one from page 44. It says anti-gap enthusiasts remind me of radical environmentalists and their singular zeal to promote this one idea and focus their entire life energies on it, severing relationships and forming new ones based on whether one agrees with them. In their passion to press the issue, they have trampled the truth and resorted to half truths and invented facts. Fake news is not restricted to the media. Solomon said these six things does the Lord hate? And the sixth and seventh are a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Many young earthers are guilty of bearing false witness, and by it they are sowing discord among the brethren. You have to prove that. I, I don't know how they're sowing discord. I, I felt like when I first came across these people, they were bringing unity, personally, because I I, I felt powerless against uh, uh, evolutionists. I didn't know the issue right. very well, and they gave us some weapons. Yeah. I'm like, ah, I have something to attack the evolutionist with. Now, maybe you would say there were bad weapons. I don't know. But I appreciated their efforts. And, and to say that they're a false witness and that they're dividing, I feel like the gap is dividing. Like, I know for a fact that Ken Ham has said that this isn't a divided issue. Like, mm-hmm. we don't... He has people that he knows that believes in a gap, and he talks to. Now there might be debates, I don't know, but he, he he's in fellowship with some of these people, and and so it's it's not like we're using this as a to get kicked out of a church or do, you're not welcome here anymore. He has never said that they're not Christians, and he's never said that they can't be a part of church. Uh, he's just standing up for what he believes he, on, on the Word of God. That is what yeah. Ken Ham has always said that on the foundations to the point that we actually challenge. Challenged him on that based on a King James issue, but anyway, um, well, and he to, didn't answer you. To be no, to, to be somewhat fair in this one, he does start by saying, calling them anti-gap enthusiasts. Yes. So somebody mm-hmm. who's dealt in, and this is a major issue for them, and they're going to go fight somebody over the fact that you're wrong. I'm going to go up to Larry and say, "No, it's not. I'm, there's no way it's a gap. You're absolutely crazy." Right. Well, yeah. that would potentially be 
still in Discord. Right. I see what you're yeah, saying yeah. there. Maybe. But to be fair to like people like Answers in Genesis, th- this isn't their main ministry that right. is attacking mm-hmm. gapists. Nope. <laughs> you know, they're, exactly. Right. They're, that's why they have a generic answer. And, and when they attack gap theory, guess what they're attacking? They're attacking the Chalmers right. version right. of yeah. gap. Right. And they're not really even aware of this type of gap because it's, it's uh, whatever. Okay, so the next one is in page 113. It says, we are not only ignoring the evidence for a young earth, we are ignoring evidence for an old earth. And we were ignoring you until you got in the way of our evangelism and drew away a segment of the church to place more faith in scientism than in Holy Scripture. I don't even know what he's talking about there. Well, All I know is that it's just... To Ken Hamler, right, it's being... It's being... It, it's, it's, it's being very childish here. Well, it, no, I think the point here is he's saying there because then this does happen where the young earth the creation scientists they put their science above the scriptures. I, I and, hear, and, but he's like, we, we, I don't care about young earth, old earth. Okay, but we were ignoring the the we were ignoring the evidence and all that, but we were ignoring you until you got in the way of our evangelism. Why? I, I, my question would be why? Why? Why were you? Why well, did you have to good, get caught yeah. up? Why don't you just keep doing what you were doing? Right. You yeah, know that's why? A, yeah, that's a fair I, point. I, yeah, I just I don't understand why he had to to, to feel like to to stop and and attack them. Um, so on page one nineteen, says I am compelled to interrupt his flow with a comment. So Ken Ham, right. He says, we accept an ancient age for the earth based on the standard uniformitarian interpretation of the geologic column. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We do not. He is in the wrong classroom. Well, once again, he is attacking a certain form of the gap theory, which Michael Pearl has accused him of uh, building up a straw man and, and attacking that. But to be fair, and this is the problem with the book, is that what people know as the gap theory out there is that. I'm, I'm right. sorry. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, Michael Pearl says this has been known for centuries and Bible believers, and he'll give a list of people. We looked up these people. Most of them aren't gapists in the way that Michael Pearl teaches gap. They just believe that there was a period of time. There could have been a period right. of time. And, and so what that time was for, some of them were like for evolution in, in, right. the, in the 18th century on. Well, there mainly. were some before Right. In the 1500s, I looked them up, and yeah. they had so. But they didn't believe the same gap as he did. That, that's what I'm saying. Right, it was I, a different version. Right, but, but still, and this is the unfortunately for Ken Ham, and he should know better. Is he's lumping everybody who thinks there's a gap between Genesis one one and one two all in the same camp? It is true, but that's and, that's my point. Is that. Michael Pearl has to understand that, um, especially in ministry like that, you are you're going to be talking about the 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 more po- there. There's so many versions of this that you can't possibly attack every single well, one. But Ken Ham also shouldn't say, well, all people who believe in a gap also believe in some form of theistic evolution. No, that's, that's fair. Right, that right, that, that that's is true. true. But this is my problem with the book. Why are you upset at creation scientists? Why aren't you upset at the gap theory people that teach it incorrectly? Well, that yeah, that would be your point of like, okay, the gap theory is getting misinterpreted right. out there. That's a fair point. Here is the true gap, and here's how my, right. I look at the gap, and just leave everybody else alone. Well, yeah, we're he ignoring done that. you. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so that that's where I'm like, I, I don't understand. Okay, so page one twenty to one twenty one says, you do disservice to God's redeemed. Just leave us out of this science debate and stay away from our sacred text, altering the words and telling us what we believe about it. We will continue to believe what our forefathers have believed for over 2,000 years. And I don't think the book proved that this has been over 2,000 well, years. Well, no, but they do alter the text. They And they, they say, well, like Sarah said at the beginning, you don't have to go back to the Greek or Hebrew, but they do. 
Yeah, they do, but and so they, do the Gappists, though. That's well, I don't. But, I know. I, I can appreciate that, but <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I think both do. Well, right, and, and, and that's the and and both use science, and both use. I think it's it's unfair to only assume one side does that. It, both sides do it. I think that's the the, the point. Right. I'm like, it's it's if if one side was doing it. I just thought this was, uh, it's just uh, an attack. It's just a polemic here. Uh, we got a couple more. These are from page two. Page 12. 12. Page it 12. is unknown <laughs> and there. unappreciated only by those, this is speaking of the gap, only by those who know very little of the Bible in regards to any subject and very little of history, which is a large segment of modern Why don't you read that again because I interrupted it. Okay. It says, it is unknown and unappreciated only by those who know very little of the Bible in regards to any subject and very little of history, which is a large segment of modern Christianity. I would agree with that. Wow. Wow. Well, because how much doctrine is taught in church today? I, I, I understand that, but you're saying... So somebody like me who doesn't believe in the gap, it's because I know very little of the Bible, I know very little history, and I know well, very no, little. Well, no, I'm saying, but like I brought up earlier, the difference between when Jesus talked in parables as a mystery, does any... Can it go to anybody on the street or anybody that goes to a modern church and ask them if they know why. No, I think that, that's, I think that's yeah, for sure. That's I think we true. understand that modern churches specifically... Right. There is a dearth of knowledge and understanding of, right. of, of Scripture. So I think that's what he's addressing here. I, I get it, but that's still to, you, once you were upset that you lumped all the gapists together, yeah. you're lumping everybody that, okay. I mean, Chuck has studied the Bible, well, Sarah I mean, studied the Bible. But you don't go to a modern church. No, but I'm sure there's, I know a lot of sincere creationists that study their Bible, and uh, I, we used to fellowship with one that would go witnessing all the time. He was a creationist, six-day creationist, young earth. Very smart man, smarter than all of us in the room combined. Right. I mean, he was a genius. I don't think he was an idiot on history and well, no. uh, on the Bible, and he took the Bible very literally. And and so I think I, that people can have different opinions. Well, yeah, absolutely. But and, I, I'm just I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Well, I'm, I'm to... not because <laughs> it's, it's just the, the next one too. And the, this one is from page twelve. It says Which the gap. Is funny. The gap fact was first revealed in a publication in 1491 BC when God dictated Genesis one to Moses on Mount Sinai. Uh, so yeah, that was funny. Okay, so yeah. Moses <laughs> got it. I get it. But that's his first person, and I'm like, come on. But th so this is my problem with the book itself: is the the subject matter. Okay, you bring up some of the subject. Inter introduce the subject and you try to prove it. But in your proving it, all you're doing is just attacking, belittling your attitude. There's so many more things that we could have put on here. Yeah. It, making us sound like idiots, like we're, we're dopes. We don't know what we're doing because we're not Bible believers. I'm offended by that. And I'm in the middle somewhere. I'm not even on their side necessarily. And I'm offended that you say that I don't know the Bible. I, I don't study the Bible. I'm like, I, I studied the Bible and, and it wasn't so easy. It was like when he was talking about uh, the earth, the angels were already here. And he points out the one verse in, in Job where the angels rejoiced, right. you know, and there is one verse that, that proves his point. And he's like, see, it's clear and it's plain. Well, come on, man. I, I didn't memorize the whole Bible. You know, now, you know, as you study something, sure, you're going to find those one verses and be like, oh, right here. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. And, and you put things together and I, I, I get all that. But it, it's, it's the belittling that I have a huge problem with. These people are legitimate believers who are trying to be a blessing to the body of Christ and you're offended and actually name call. To me, that's bullying. And when you feel like you have to bully I feel like you've lost the argument. Like you can't right. 
control them anymore. So you have to like strong arm them by ridiculing them. And to me, that loses the the issue. I right. think the issue can be a legitimate issue. It's a it's yeah. an interesting issue. It's a it's a subject that is worth discussing. Yeah. I don't think it's like oh we're afraid of the issue. And I thought right. you know we can discuss it right. in, a, in a peaceful yeah. way. But to write the book that he did in such a demeaning, condescending way, if you know what that word means, and uh, <laughs> it's a joke, is it's just irresponsible. And and I think it took away from the book because it's just like, oh my goodness, man, you're just you're right. you're, you're so you're, you're name calling and you're belittling of people. You have no respect for people that think something just a little bit different. That offends me. And and look, I've stooped to that level too. I can do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but when you're writing something, you have to take time to like, okay, what is the purpose of what I'm reading? And that's why I was like, there's so many things out there. This must be something that is very important to him. And if it is, so be it. I mean, you know, whatever. Right. Well, I would say uh, if I was to write this book or if I was to advise him to write it, I would say... Write it about your subject. Yes. And don't worry about other people. Yeah, forget about them. Right. I mean, he does say, and, and if I remember correctly, at one point in the book, he does appreciate the work that the creation scientists have done. At one it's, sentence. Yes. Right. Yeah. But on your topic, stick to your topic and you don't have to that attack been somebody. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's other been better- works out there. I could point you to other works that that did it in a in a better way where they are they're not just shooting people right. and 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 feeling good about themselves by, by shooting people. But they actually just went through and said, this is why I believe what I believe. You figure it out. And, right. and if you agree, great. If you don't, you know, right. you know and, where I, you know where to disagree with me on. And I can live with that. You yeah, know, I can your argument and give yeah. your reasons for it. And I think you guys can obviously see right. where each other stand on those verses. Yeah. You're not going to agree. That's fine. Right. It's not, but and those, like Chuck said, this is not a salvation issue. No. This right. is something that we study outside right. of that and to help deepen our but understanding. But I don't have to call you a dope because yeah. you don't understand you the don't scriptures. Have to, but. <laughs> and, and as Larry said, you know, we're, we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. There are right. mysteries yeah. in the scripture. We're supposed yeah. to search them out. Right. And if, if the gap theory is true and it exists, great. That's a great place to be able to take all those scriptures where we don't quite understand when they happen and put them in there and they, they fit. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. Fits. But, it's not necessary to actually be able to prove the rest of the scripture. Does scripture stand alone without it? They too? do, yeah. right? And I, I think that was the the missed opportunity there. And there was a couple other books that I was looking at and publications and videos that we watched. And let me just say this: that and and Larry, you might want to close your ears on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the people that go down this road, and this is what made me pull back a good bit. A lot of those people that go down this road are weird. And they just get into some weird things, flat Earth stuff, and uh, you yeah. know the uh, just some some seed serpent, uh, the seed of the serpent, seed serpent. Some, some oh, yeah, stuff. And I know I don't want to lump everybody in there, <laughs> but I would just say all these podcasts and all these video, yeah. YouTube videos and all the stuff I was reading, it does tend to get even weirder, and you just have to be careful. I'm not saying Larry does that. Yeah. Well, uh, I, this is actually an issue that it it's a realm that God gave us a small glimpse into. Yeah, the angelic realm, the cherubim, the seraphim. The Bible's very silent on a lot of this. We don't know yeah, a lot. That's, and so, that's a whole other topic. It's very interesting. We can right. look at it in a show. And and so, just, how does that exist? Do angels actually walk on the earth today? 
Yeah, I, I, that's a, once it might be. There you go. But I will say, like Michael Perroha's book, I did appreciate it. I did. I went to my college degree is in biology, yep. and I my head head professor was Dr. Gary Parker, right, who right. worked with Ken Ham. So I learned a lot about creation science, and uh, and it they do a lot of good work. Yep. I will say their view, most of them on the Bible, is not what I would say uh, is strong. Right. They, uh, however, what they do is good, and I think in this case, Michael Pearl should stick to what he's good at, teaching the Bible, and just leave it well, at that. I think that's so, you. He would yeah. say he did. He, he uh, was. Well, I mean, you don't need to attack, and like you said, you can state your your view. You can um, state objectives to it, pros and cons. But you don't have to attack or demean anybody else. No, That's, like the chapter it was uh, answers not in Genesis.org. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and then and the front cover is just the gap fact and the out of whack creation scientism. Right. And I'm like, it's out of whack. So I'm like, already we already we already know what we're in for. Well, so, because what's the implication if you just read a title is that there is no God didn't create the earth. If you believe that, you're wacky. I mean that's that's what you could surmise from the title if you just read the book. Sure. But sure. No, so, I get it. So that's why we broke it down in two different subjects here is because I thought the subject itself was worth talking about. Right. It, it is worth talking about and discussing. It's out there. And so we need to be aware of it and you have to figure it out for yourself. The book itself to me was different. It was it talks about the subject, but I thought the spirit of it was not good. It yeah. was. I thought, my goodness, this. It, it like Sarah says, it took takes a while before you even get to understand what he believes. He's just so busy attacking and right. attacking. Where they're wrong here, they're wrong here. We don't believe this. Well, it's not so clear. It took me a long time to find out another person that believes just like what he believes in the book, and uh, it, it's hard to find that. So it's not as popular out there as yeah. he would like to think. So must there must not be any Bible believers out there. And, and so, uh, you know, but there is a, a large segment of the gap theory that we didn't even discuss and maybe we should discuss on some other time that is is what I think we all would agree is out there. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's to be dismissed right away. But, you know, this particular one is at least more legitimate in that they try to get the Bible verses and make sense of them and and do a good job of of it. So I'm not I'm not too offended by it if someone like Larry says I believe in this right. this belief. I'm I, I get it. Uh, makes sense in in how you present I, it. I try right. <laughs> so all right. Well, I appreciate you guys hanging in there. I know this was a long one, yeah. and if you made it to the end, then uh, everyone gets. Never mind. No, no. <laughs> no but uh, if you have some thoughts on it and would like to participate in the conversation, oh, you yeah. can either go to the Facebook page. Uh, leave some comments or, or even on the YouTube channel here, leave some comments or write us an email. And uh, if you have some more What's thoughts that email on the address? issue, uh, that would be talk at fellowship of believers.org. That's right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, Joshua, get us out of here. The Mike Charleston Show. History with Larry. All right, Larry. All right. Um, what do you got this week for history time? Right, this is kind of a different one, but a kind of a fun one. Okay. Warships and soda. Warships <laughs> and soda. Yeah. Like they're connected. Larry, they are. What are you doing? Okay. Yeah. I don't feel like those go together. But. I, they shouldn't, but... So what if you could make a deal, make a trade... Okay. You trade soda... 
for warships. Warship. Well, I would, would you make that trade? Yes. Oh uh, yeah. Who would? Um, well, it depends on the warship, but um, I, I like a battleship, or yeah. are we talking a cruiser? Yes. Okay. So both. Oh yes. What kind of soda are we talking about? <laughs> Pepsi. Okay. I'll give up Pepsi for a for a warship. Yeah, I'll give it up. So in 1989, this Pepsi, is recent. This wow. Is, yeah. Was this the Russians? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just sounds like something they would do. Pepsi made Pepsi Cola, them and another a Norwegian shipping company. They made a deal. Pepsi actually was the middleman. Okay. They actually traded for 17 old submarines. What? Three warships, a frigate and a cruiser and a destroyer in exchange for... Some Coke. Some Pepsi. Some Pepsi. Right. Pepsi syrup and stuff. And um, they were actually older ships, but they were actually... What's later. Pepsi going to do with them? They, they ended up selling them for scrap, basically. That's okay. what they did. But it's kind of a, a unique thing. Part of the problem was during the time, the ruble... Right. The Soviet government didn't allow the ruble outside of the Soviet states. Okay. And so to trade with the ruble, it was worthless outside of the Soviet Union. Oh, I see. Right. So they needed, uh, and and Russia at the time, they had a hard time coming up with hard assets. At to, the time? Yeah. I still think they do. Well, they probably do, right. but yeah. They were a little short on cash. Right. <laughs> and so... They were trying to make a deal. Pepsi was trying to get into the Russia, the Soviet Union, and they did actually. Sure. But right. um, I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so they uh, and Pepsi also later they made some deals with Russia to buy new oil tankers, which also gave Pepsi a opportunity to put more plants in the Soviet Union, where they could increase production. Okay. But the, the initial deal was they got these old warships, which is kind of a weird. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that meeting goes. It'd be like, hey, okay, yeah, we're gonna work with the um, the Russians to get you know to get our product in their country. Well, you know, how much? Well, they have a shortage of cash, but what they do have and what they, is yeah. some old battleships and stuff. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Sounds like an awesome deal. So at one point, Pepsi actually had was part owner of a large. Fleet, fleet. <laughs> they were going to go to war with yeah. Coke. Wow. <laughs> yeah, talk about uh, trade wars. That's right. <laughs> but they, uh, so they actually before that, Pepsi had a long, going back to like the fifties, uh, relationship with the Soviet Union. But in 1972, they made a deal that they would trade Russian vodka for Pepsi syrup. Oh, that's serious stuff in Russia. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they're giving up their yeah. vodka. Yeah, they and they got this syrup. And then they could mix it with carbonated water and bottle it domestically. Right. I crush your head like walnut. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, the next big deal, so the warships, that was kind of a big deal, but the next one was actually bigger. They, nuclear weapons? No, actually, <laughs> but, uh, it was going to be worth $3 billion. Good night. This okay. was in 1990. Okay. They were going to... Uh, Pepsi, Pepsi was actually going to go into Russia this is, big time. This is after Gorbachev tear down that wall. Well, it's around the same time. Right. So yeah, they um, they Pepsi figured that the deal was going to be worth about three billion dollars. Sure. They could increase their production in Russia, and it was a growing market, and uh, and that was a lot of money back then. Uh, it three, still is, and <laughs> it's still yeah, that's a big. Well. Um, also, Pepsi introduced the Russians to another American icon at the same time. An, an, an icon, uh, I, I, what, M&M's? Pizza Hut. Oh, uh, Pizza, well, they own P Pizza yeah, Hut. Yeah, exactly. And so Taco Bell. Yeah, right. they were going to, 
expand their market, not just Pepsi, but Pizza Hut Pizza as well. Hut and Pepsi in Russia. Awesome. Yeah. But if you're a student of history, the 90s, especially the early 90s, were not a good time for the Soviet government. No. 1991, they fell. Yes. And guess what happened to the deal for Pepsi? It fell through. Mm. Yeah. It uh, went sour. Uh, it fell apart. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, they had a... Um, it fizzed out. It did. Uh, it went flat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but all was not bad. They were uh, well. The other thing they lost out was part of their the ships they bought, the oil tankers and stuff. They were being built, and they got stuck in a newly independent state of Russia that was formerly part of the Soviet Union, Belarus, Ukraine. Oh, Ukraine! <laughs> and now Ukraine wanted part of the deal, so this ended up costing Pepsi a lot more. And Good night, man. Everybody yeah, wants their Pepsi. Everybody, yeah. Are you a Pepsi guy or a Coke guy? Coke, really. Well, I grew up with that, and so that my I mom... I grew up with yeah. Pepsi. That's I funny. didn't really grow up with Pepsi, but on special occasions, right. we had to have Pepsi. But uh, I don't like either, actually. I, I don't mind. Like occasionally. Either. I mean, yeah, but anyway. Pepsi's a little sweeter, but anyway. Well, all is not bad for Pepsi. Are you a Coke person or a Pepsi oh, yeah. person? Let us know in the description. <laughs> well, I mean, in the comments. I find, <laughs> I find most people from the South, especially, you know, because Florida... We next call to it Georgia. Coke for down here for crying out loud, so yeah. Coca-Cola started in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. and yeah. anyway. I mean, you go to a restaurant here, say, what do you, I'll have a Coke. What kind? Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Pepsi? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, but Russia, to this day, Russia is still a, the second largest market for Pepsi. Although Coca-Cola is, they're making a lot of inroads into Russia. And well, I would have thought they already would have, but yeah. They're gaining ground. But okay. yeah, that's kind of a weird deal in the history of Wow. Russia and an American capitalistic company making a deal like that. <laughs> That's funny. So that Pepsi is. at one point was part owner of a large naval fleet. <laughs> like that, that's got to be the most bizarre thing <laughs> for know, Pepsi. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what are we going to do with this? Uh, could you imagine the board meeting say, hey, look, we're going to make this deal with Russia. It's going to make us millions of dollars. The downside is we can't get paid in currency. Right. But we, we're going to... the. Good side is we're gonna own some battleships. Yeah, we just gotta find a place to park them. <laughs> yeah, like, where do you where do you go? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's so bizarre. Yeah. So, well, cool. But, All right. Well, thank you for your history there. Thank you. Uh, that's a terrible story. It's a weird story. Not a terrible story. It's just terrible. a weird. It's a, it's a weird. Yeah, hopefully, bizarre. it didn't go flat. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the Mike Charleston Show. Music with Sarah. What song do you like? All right, babe. So this week for your song of the week, a uh, quick story for the other song of the week. We actually did one a couple weeks ago, and we found out through a friend that they're local. I know. That was so cool. So they, they're a local. They go to a church that he went to and some people that we know that go there. And so I thought that was kind of cool. So anyway, maybe we'll meet them one day. So, But this week, it's not just a song. It's a whole album. It is a whole album. And the well, the original song I was going to do is Lord Most High, which oh, okay. is by Shane Everett. And it's on the album, Wel- Welcome. Window to the Inner Court. Window to the Inner Court. And I was going through old music that we had on the computer. and What? What is that? <laughs> and I, we used to have just three songs off of this album. Right. And so when I went to listen to them and I went to listen to the album, I thought this entire album is just amazing. Oh, like, okay. it's just wonderful. It's a lot of covers. It is. He doesn't yeah. write all of these songs. And actually, it's from Shane Everett. So you have 
Shane Bernard and mm-hmm. Shane Everett make up Shane and Shane. Right. Well, way back in the day, this this album's got to be what twenty years old. It is. I think it's from two thousand one. Right. Okay. So, so it's yeah. twenty two years old. But they they weren't always together. They did do their own separate projects every once in a while. Right. Uh, not that they had a falling out or anything. They're still together, Shane to Shane. But um, Shane Everett, he is the. He's the guy that does the harmonizing, basically, and he doesn't really play an instrument on stage. He just, he's the guy with the hat on and sings, yeah. and he's a kind of backup. He he's, harmonizes and all that, but he can sing and he can play, and, yeah. um, and, and so this album showed that. So uh, this is his album. He just sings some uh, very basic songs that growing up we know knew right. and um so well, these some are of older them are songs ba- are very basic like i worship you almighty god right like, that's a very old song holy or, and anointed one right or we fall down yeah but um it also had songs like start Take me in um, that's old one that's old that's start, speaking of local yeah exactly <laughs> um it has a song called start a fire and then not another, that kind of fire no. <laughs> and then another one called undying love if you just go listen to the album it actually it's 45 minutes long okay and so if you just go find that album on spotify or apple or whatever and you push play and listen for 45 minutes i guarantee you will be blessed wow she is guaranteeing it so what happens <laughs> if they don't get blessed <laughs> um i don't know <laughs> okay but anyway, it's it's a great album. A lot of great songs, some old songs, some new songs that I'm like, oh, I want to learn those. Like those. So this are might be a challenge songs. to Larry, huh? It, it is a challenge if, to if Larry. He, if he plays this album, he'll be blessed, huh? He will be if he would give it a chance. Just give it a chance. <laughs> just give it a chance. Anyway, okay. so I really think everybody should go check it out. It's not new, but it's it's just great. Beautiful okay, so music. speaking of what, one of the songs on there that you were singling out was which one? It, it's called Lord Most High, and it's actually an echo song. It is an echo song. And well. There's actually another Echo one on there, Exalt the Lord. But I like Echo echo songs, and they're really nice for the ladies because we don't have to know all the words because we just copy the men. We have to know the words. Well, yeah, Mm. exactly. But um, anyway, so it is an Echo song, but it's um, just about praising God. The the chorus says, Throughout the endless ages, you will be crowned with praises, Lord Most High, exalted in every nation, sovereign of all creation. That's not the echo part, though. That is not the echo part. That's the chorus. But anyway, great, great song, great album. So I think everybody should check it out. Yeah, which was kind of shocking because we went through some of these old songs on the computer and you were like, do you remember this? And I'm like, of course I remember it. How did you forget? It's just, there's so many songs that you you sometimes forget about ones from... 20 years ago. So. Indeed. So, but this one, we, we actually, uh, this was back in the iTunes days. Right. So we, we just happened to hear a couple of them. We bought a few of those songs, but the rest of the album never heard. So now with Spotify, you can hear the whole album. Yeah. So go to Spotify, go check it out. It's called Window to the Inner Court by Shane Everett. Go check it out. The Mike Charleston Show. Marriage. All right, babe, for this week's marriage moment here, a uh, quick little discussion. We were, we were talking, like, what are we going to talk about on, on the show here? And I wanted to talk about just, like, when, when is it a good time to counsel others or, uh, or, you know, should your marriage be perfect before you start helping other people? Well, I hope not, because if it has to be perfect, then nobody... Well, uh, not, not perfect, but you know what I mean by that. Right. Oh, you guys have a perfect marriage. Let's go to them. Um, is there a certain age range? Is there a certain... Uh, you know, Should we be afraid of helping other people's marriage 
at a certain age or is it just something as you get older that when I'm in my 40s and 50s, now I can start or or what? Well, I do think the Bible does talk about older women teaching other, younger women how to love their husbands. So, I sure. mean, I do think age sometimes can play a part. Oh, it most definitely does. Because I feel like with wisdom. age comes wisdom yes. and you have experience. lots of experience. So, that, that does help. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't think that you have to... Obviously, you don't have to have a perfect marriage. Well, here's what you don't have to have. You don't have to have a special degree, and you don't have to go to college for it. Absolutely not. And the the one qualification I would say, though, is, to to be fair, is you should have a good marriage. Like, I, I don't know if you're struggling. It doesn't mean you can't help other people out. You know, anytime anybody needs help, you can try to do whatever you can. But when I'm looking for help, I want to see those people that are doing well. And, yeah. and, and be like, hey, what what am I doing wrong? Or is there something I'm missing? Uh, can you point out uh, something in my life, you know, and, 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 and reach out to those people? Right. And so, obviously, early on in your marriage, it might be good, but it's not, it's lacking experience. So, a lot of people, so say if you're 50 years old, you're not going to go to a 25-year-old and be like, hey, help me with my marriage. I hope not. That's only been married for... <laughs> 14, 15 months, and you're like, well, you, you wouldn't understand some of the, the difficulties I'm going through. But if you have been, if you're 25 and have been married a few years, it, why not talk, if, if someone that is your age that is already struggling, you know, yeah. they, you would understand where they're going through and what they, where they're at a lot more than, say, people like us that have been married 20, 24, 25 years. What are we on? 20? Almost 25. Almost 25. So it, it, we might have forgotten what it was like for those first few years, but they're in it right now and they're doing well, so why not help it? I don't think there's a, um, a, a special certificate you need or anything like that, or you need to have a, uh, a perfect marriage to, to help others. Right. Well, there is something about the blind leading the blind. So I do think that it does help if you can see if you want to help yes. other people. Yes. So if we're struggling and fighting all the time and you know, then I try to pretend like everything's fine and help somebody else, maybe I'm not quite in the place I need to be to right. try and, to help. And as an, an older person, just if, if you want to be a church leader and you're, you're getting older in age, most of us should be in that age where we should be leaders in our church. Uh, you don't have to quote unquote be the pastor or anything, but you're a leader in the church. And as a leader, you should have an example. Uh, so you should have an example in your marriage. You yeah. should have an example in your your child training, your 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 kids, uh, how you live your life, uh, your reputation your reputation on the outside, um, yeah. within and without. Uh, you should have a good reputation, and all those things are very important for you to be quote-unquote qualified. There, there is no qual. You know what your biggest qualification is? If people come to you, you know, honestly. Yeah. And, uh, and if you can get help, you know, or if you can help others. The important thing is that we're not just here. So the reason I wanted to talk about this was like, sometimes we get so focused on our marriages and that's what these, you know, little five-minute moments are for marriage. Mm-hmm. It's just like focus on our marriage. But there's other people around and if you are doing well, uh, look around and help others. And um, it is a fine line to to get in there and uh, you know get in people's business, yeah. or to help out. So there is that fine line. You don't want to be a, a nagging neighbor, you know. But uh, if you know people that are are hurting and struggling, and usually they'll let you know, you know that you right. can tell. 
but um, but yeah, you should you should you know marriage is a wonderful thing. It brings out a lot in, in us, and so if if in that moment we are doing well, that's good. And you should thank God and and um, and look around and and help. Uh, this world is about helping. You know yeah. that's what we're here for. And if people come to you, it's not always best to just defer and say, "Oh, well, go read this book. Go to somebody else." Right. It's like, well, look, I can have an answer. I can say, "Well, okay, let me think about that." I think I can share some things that we've done that have helped us in our marriage. Let me carry some of your burden, right? And then hopefully, uh, if 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 hopefully you don't have these struggles, but if you do, someone else can help you, and, yeah. and that's the. The, the way it works. At least it should work. And exactly. um, so anyway, that's kind of the encouragement that I would have is like, uh, you know, some people are thinking maybe they're just too young to help. Well, look, people are, people are always looking at young people and like, oh, yeah. are these guys going to make it? Are they going to do well? And well, let's hope so. And uh, we should encourage them into doing that. And people our age and pe- people that have been married 30 plus years looking at those younger couples should... Uh, encourage them. And it doesn't have to be like a sit down council thing, but just throw out little nuggets like we do on the show. I mean, we're talking five, six minutes, just a little thing that maybe would help out here and there. So uh, hopefully that encourages someone. Hey, this is Joshua Charleston, the producer of the Mike Charleston Show. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook at Mike Charleston Show and Instagram at underscore Mike Charleston Show. Please support us on Patreon for exclusive content. This episode is over, but if you want more, check out the website at fellowshipofbelievers.org for more information. The Mike Charleston Show has been brought to you by Fellowship Believers.